0: I've had this word on my heart for a while and then um, this last week I had a freedom prayer and then just driving out here, the song that was on the radio and then the the songs that we've sung this morning and what Charlotte spoke, it just all confirms that this is God's heart speaking this morning. So um, let's go for it, eh? (laughs) So a few months, I don't know if you remember, some of you were here. I spoke on Hagar and Sarah and um, Abraham and I We talked about it from Hagar's perspective about her hurt and her pain and her suffering and how God saw her and he heard her and he cared for her. And so as I was saying, the last couple of months, suffering's just been on my heart Um, and that God has continued to speak to me about his people, his love for his children, but there is so much hurt and that there is so much pain. Um, I sense this within... within church, not our church, but it could be, (laughs) Um, but within the church as a whole, that there are individuals and there are personal circumstances that are causing us to really grieve, to really grieve. And um, as I said, I had a freedom prayer this last week and I was reminded in there again that we need to be close to Jesus. You know, we need to be closer than ever to Jesus We need to be embraced by him. We need to be held by him in order for healing to happen. Standing at a distance, we're not going to see that healing happen. Standing at a distance where we have these blocks in our way to Jesus, where we have pride and where we have offense and where we have doubt and where we have unworthiness, those things prevent us from drawing near to Jesus. And I just really sense and feel that Jesus is saying, draw near to me, come into my arms, come into my embrace, be fully immersed in me and allow my tears and my blood to wash over you and to bring healing. We're going straight into it. (laughs) So, um, and I'm I'm convinced of this. I'm, I'm fully convinced of this. Suffering isn't a topic that we often talk about within church, particularly the Pentecostal church, because we we focus on the victory and the hope that we have. And yes, we do. We have victory and there is hope, but suffering is a very real part of all our lives. And um, it's something that we all experience. Jesus of all people knew that. His disciples knew that. We all go through suffering. Some of us may be walking some of those dark days right now, We may have already walked some of those dark days. We may know people around us who are walking some tough times. I have a friend at the moment who's... um, She's walking some of her toughest days. She lost her husband to cancer last year and now she's faced with her own cancer battle less than a year later. So while she's grieving the loss of her husband... She's now walking through this journey and supporting her three children as they grieve their dad and now watch their mum walk through this. And the question we ask when we're, faced, when we're faced with suffering is why? How do we make sense of suffering? Why me? Why him? Why her? Why this? Why now? Why? I've titled this message, Waiting in the Why of Suffering. I will not answer the why. I cannot answer the why. Because if I was, if I could, I'd be the first person in history um, to answer the why. But we can look at how we wait in the why of suffering. So we're going to turn to Job. (laughs) Ironic. Um, A well-known man in the Bible for the suffering that he faced. And we're going to go to chapter 1 verse 8 to 22. It's going to be on the screen, but I'll read it to you as well, and feel free to um, go to your Bibles yourself. Then the Lord said to Satan, "'Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing?' Satan replied, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house when when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them and they are dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord take away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. It is normal to ask why when we go through suffering. It is in our human nature to try and make sense of what's going on in the world around us, to try and find meaning in what's happening. You know, I remember that moment when I first was told that my friend was now facing her own cancer battle. And I was numb. All I could think about was why. Why her? Why this? Why now? And I know I'm not alone in that. We all we all question and we all wrestle and we all struggle to make sense of suffering. So today I want us to look at how we wait in the why of suffering, waiting in the why of suffering. You know, when we question the why, we tend to go one of two ways. We can either go down the religious or the more moral way of asking why and, um, or, or we go down the more cynical way in our thinking. Neither of these two options are actually helpful But we're going to look at both of them because I'm sure, like me, you can relate to them. So if we go down the religious route in asking why, we tend to say, um, why is God punishing me? What have I done wrong? Do I not have enough faith? Am I not praying enough? And this is what we call moralism. If you do more, then you will. We try to make sense of suffering by our actions, by what we're doing or what we're not doing. If you do good, then God will bless you. And if you're not being blessed, then you're doing something wrong and not pleasing God. That's the religious moral way of thinking. If we go down the secular way of thinking, our train of thought leads us to cynicism that life is just random. That it proves that there is no God. Because if there was a God, then how could He allow the suffering to happen? It proves that. If there is a God, he's incompetent, he's indifferent, and we become cynical about the world around us, and we go, well, no one's in control, this is all just random, we just happen to be living on this place called earth where bad things happen. That there is no good, powerful God in charge of everything. But if we go back to the story of Job, we find out that both these ways of thinking are wrong. Because let's be clear, this was Satan's idea. He was the one who came up with the idea, and he is the one who carries it out. God didn't generate the plan. God didn't create evil. When the world was formed, there was no disease and there was no death. God doesn't like evil and he doesn't like death. It was Satan's idea and plan and he carried it out. But hear this. God is still in absolute control. It's not an equal battle, Satan versus God. God is still in absolute control. So this leads us to the question of then why does God allow this? And, you know, I've always found that a really interesting thought (laughs) to wrestle with. Um, I can understand that God doesn't create evil but why can't he intervene why doesn't he always intervene why are babies diagnosed with incurable diseases and die why is there wars where innocent lives are destroyed and families are broken apart why doesn't god intervene always the reality is we live in a fallen world of free will we live in a fallen world of free will But again, if we look to the story of Job, God says to Satan very well, he permits it, but he limits it. He permits it, but he limits it. He says, you can do this and this and this, but you can't do this. He limits it. God is still in complete control. And God gives Satan enough to defeat Satan's original plan. God gives Satan enough rope to hang himself because Satan's idea is to expose Job and to discredit him. Yet this purpose was defeated. God hates suffering. He hates evil. He hates, he doesn't like seeing Job suffer. He doesn't like seeing us suffer, but he is still in control. Now also notice because, I mean, if you read through and you probably have read through the whole book of Job, there's a lot of dialogue that happens. There's dialogue between Satan and God. There's, di- you know, there's dialogue the whole way through. But notice there's no dialogue where God says to Job at the beginning, in the middle of the suffering, at the end, where he says to Job, Hey, Job, look, you've been through the absolute ringer. Like, you've been through everything, but I'm going to use your story to speak hope into suffering. And I'm going to use your story to speak into why bad things happen to good people. And one day at C3 City Church North, they're going to be looking at your story. Churches across Aotearoa, across the world, are going to be looking at your story And I'm speaking about how there's hope in the midst of suffering. God could have revealed the purpose to Job, but he didn't. Job never knew the impact of his story, Job never knew the dialogue between God and Satan. He never knew the impact of his story. The moralists say, do this and do that, and you will be blessed by God. The cynics say no one is in control and life is just random and and you get what you get. But the Bible says, continue to serve God. And even though you may never know the full impact of your suffering, even though you may never know the answer why, God is still in control. What Job did is stay in relationship with God. In our waiting, in the suffering, in, in our waiting for the why of suffering, we need to stay in relationship with God. We need to continue to serve God with all our mind and with all our heart and with all our soul. When we're in our waiting, and I know it's easy words to say, it's hard to live out, but when we are in our waiting, we need to be okay with not knowing. We need to be okay with not knowing the why of the suffering. We need to be okay with that. Job didn't know yet he stayed in relationship with God. You know, at the beginning of what we read today, God says to Satan about Job that there is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Job was a man who fears God. He had this, um, that word translated, the fear, is this inward wonder and awe of who God was, of who God is. Yet Satan says, Job only loves you for what he gets, for what he's got, for what he has around him, for what he's blessed with. You know those people in your life who network in order to get what they want, and then as soon as you show them that you're not interested, you get the cold shoulder? Satan saw Job's relationship like that with God, that Job only loved God for what he had not for who God was or is. You know, Short and I, we, we, had, um, we knew people that um, invited us around for dinner. They would check on, in on us. They'd text us all the time. They'd um, try and find out how life's going and invite us for runs and walks and all of this thing. And we, we thought that was great and lovely, and we thought they were really kind people, which they are. Um, But we realized one day that they were actually trying to get us into this pyramid scheme that they were a part of. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And once we realized this, and once we made it clear to them that we're not interested, it was cold shoulder. (laughs) Those dinner invites and those walking invites stopped. (laughs) Satan is expecting the same of us when it comes to suffering that we will either be too religious and moral or that we will be too cynical and we will give God the cold shoulder and that we will turn away from God. That's what Satan's wanting. But the lesson we take from Job is that we need to be okay with not knowing and yet stay in relationship with God and love God for who he is. Know him for who he is. Not for what you're blessed with, not for what you can get. Love God for who he is. Love people for who they are. Not for what you would like them to be or who they can be for you or um, for what you can get out of people. Love God for who he is. Love people for who they are. When we suffer, we learn to love God for God alone. Look at the life of the disciples. They suffered. You know, they suffered a lot. And yet they knew Jesus and they loved him for who he was. A final point I want to make is this. When we are waiting in the why of suffering, we need to be okay with grieving. Um, And again, I felt that in my heart this week, this um, heaviness, this overwhelming emotional pain and tor- turmoil. But we need to be okay with grieving. It's okay to experience pain and to experience torment. And it's actually okay to question. Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. He was in pain. He was in emotional Turmoil. He was grieving. And yet God says of Job that he sins not. We don't need to suppress or hide this pain. We don't need to feel like we're failing God when we are emotional and we're grieving and we're crying out. That's not failing God. Job teaches us to grieve and to mourn, yet what he also does is he falls to his knees in worship, and he continues to stay in relationship with God, and he continues to love God for who he is alone. See, when we suffer, if our focus is on our materials, on what we have on our finance, our health, our children, our house. When we suffer and we lose all of that, we fall deeper into suffering. Yet if our eyes are fixed on God, suffering will actually call us cause us to fall deeper into Him, and to His grace, into His into Him and Him alone, to who He is. Jesus <laughs> Jesus experienced suffering that goes higher, deeper, wider than what any of us will ever suffer. He was stripped naked, beaten, shamed, humiliated, tormented, abused, and nailed to a cross. And he too asked why. Why have you forsaken me? And yet he suffered in complete obedience Why? Because he loves us. He was driven by and motivated out of love. He came into the world knowing that he would suffer. And he came anyway. He came to reconcile, restore, and reunite humanity with the Father's heart, no matter what the pain, no matter what the cost, no matter what the suffering, because he loves us. Jesus promised us that while we are here on earth, we will face trials and we will suffer. That's the reality of it. Yet in our suffering, while we are waiting for the why, eternity will tell. While we are waiting in the why of suffering, we have the opportunity to surrender to God in a way that nothing else will ever make us surrender. I go back to that vision that I had this week. There is pain, and there is hurt, and there is suffering. In that, we need to be okay with not knowing why. We need to not go down one of two ways, religious or secular. We need just to stay in relationship with God and we need to be fully immersed in his presence and held by him so that his tears and his blood washes over, washes over us. We need to draw closer to God than we have ever done before. And even if we're not facing that personal suffering right now, there is suffering all around us. You just need to read the news. <laughs> There is suffering happening. So whether it's your footsteps, you're walking in, or you're seeing people around you suffer, we, on their behalf, need to draw closer to God and be held by him and embraced by him so that his tears and his blood washes over us. Amen? Amen. Um, I can't remember that last song. Something about the blood. Let's do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Executive call made. And just wherever you are...